You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 54 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from SheepSpot.com where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make those wools into beautiful yarns. So today we are talking about how I designed the color palette for my Via Yanta. This episode is part of a multi-part series about knitting, um, about the thinking and preparation that goes into creating a hand-spun yarn to knit for a particular pattern. So let me give you a little recap of our story so far. In the first part, I talked about choosing the pattern and uh, choosing the basics of the yarn that I wanted to use for via Yante, yarn structure and spinning method. Based on the recommended yarn, um, the nature of the pattern and the uses that I envisioned for this project in my life. In the second part, I talked about my fiber choices and how I'm using a combination of fibers in a particular way to accommodate my weird and weirdly sensitive neck. So when I was thinking about this, about this project and specifically thinking about color, I went to Ravelry and I looked at I would say, I think there are about 4,500 Ravelers who have knit this pattern and, and posted the project on Ravelry. So I went and just looked at a bunch of them. And I, I generally do this whenever I'm going to knit something. I just go to Ravelry and look and see what, how other people have gone about it. And there is that fabulous, um, little box that you can tick, um, when you're looking through projects, um, where you can just see all the ones that are done in hand spun. So I definitely looked at those, but I looked at all of them. So I looked at, you know, stuff in solid yarns and, and ones that had been done in semi-solid yarns and ones that had been done in variegated yarns. So all the things. And, um, I always find that so valuable when planning. And this pattern has, um, it has this really lovely, it's quite a simple lace pattern, but it has a, um, a lace border. And in general, I liked the versions of this shawl most in solid colors, um, or in a semi-solid yarn without a lot of variation in value. So not a lot of variation from light to dark. So really the more sort of solid of the semi-solids. Um, and I didn't like as much, and if you have knit one of these, honey, you do you. I didn't like as much for my purposes in my wardrobe, the hand spun versions where the yarns had been spun for multicolored braids. So just for this particular project, um, I really liked it best in a sa- solid, in the solid yarns, frankly. Um, now, at about the same time as I was starting to plan this project, I was also watching a lot of videos by Deb Menz 
because I was working on the color workshop that I taught online, um, which, by the way, is now av- available. You can buy the, all the replays and um, the workbook and the re- um, the workbook and the worksheets. All that stuff is kind of bundled up, um, and it's on the website under learning, I believe. So if you're interested, if you missed it and you're interested, um, you can go check that out. Anyway, I was working on teaching that. And so I was, was watching a lot of Deb Menz's videos. And if you don't know her work, um, I highly recommend that you go and seek her out. I'll put a bunch of links in the show notes. Um, she has two books, both from Interweave, and she did a bunch of videos with them. I can think of five off the top of my head. And it's a really, really good thing that she made those videos because um, she stopped doing fiber teaching a few years ago, um, which was a great loss to us as a community, but we do at least have these videos um, from her. And she has really, she is always going for a particular kind of effect in her work, a a kind of um, almost impressionist use of color with fiber. Um, And that sort of pushed her to develop all these amazing ways to manipulate color in both in fiber prep and then also in, in the yarn, it's in spinning the yarn itself. And um, anyway, so she's a genius. She taught me to dye. She's one of my dying mentors. And uh, I actually ended up taking, I think, the last class she ever taught at the spinning loft. Um, and you should go check out her stuff if you're at all interested in color. So I was rewatching some of these videos and I was reminded of her techniques for combining color in bats. And she likes to incorporate lots of different colors in bats, way more than I would tend to use because I'm a little bit of a wimp that way. Um, so I knew I wanted to make a fabric that kind of reads as a solid color from a distance, but I also know myself and I know that I would become terminally bored spinning 1700 yards of solid fiber. The thing would just never get finished because I would just never do it. So I decided to go for a Tweety fiber as, um, or a, a Tweety yarn as the best compromise between creating the overall impression that I want in my fabric and still making this an enjoyable spin. Um, and I also wanted to kind of push myself to experiment with using more colors in the yarn than I usually would. So I decided that I'm going to use a Hexad Color Harmony, which Hex 6, um, so six colors, and I'm going to combine all of the tertiary colors from the color wheel. I love the tertiary colors. They are my absolute favorites. So there's, those are the colors that you get when you combine a primary color with a secondary color. So your red violets and your red oranges and your yellow greens. Um, those are totally my color jam. And, um, so 
hexatic color scheme, all of the tertiary colors. But, and this is a big but, if you combined all six of those colors in anything like equal quantities, you would have a pretty muddy fabric. And that is not what I am going for in this case. Um, desaturation is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I love desaturated colors, but in this case, I want something with a little bit of punch to it because winter in Ontario, terminally gray. Okay. And I live where all the houses are brown. So, um, it's little, I'm a little color starved in the winter and I'm envisioning this as a thing that I will use in the winter. So, um, one of the colors needs to dominate in a hexatic color scheme, or really I would say any color scheme um, where you're using a lot of colors that are um, from opposite sides of the color wheel. So um, I've decided that the dominant color in this color scheme is going to be a, re a really bright red violet, almost a fuchsia. So I'm going to dye 65% of the fiber in that color. And then I'm going to use 7% each of the remaining colors in the blend. So I've got, I'm starting with this. My main color is this bright fuchsia. Um, and actually the uh, image, the episode image for this episode. Yes, the image for this episode is the color scheme. So if you want to see what I sort of settled on, um, you should be able to see this in your podcast catcher, or um, it'll be posted in my social media so you can have a look at it. So bright red violet, 65%. And then I'm going to use 7% each of the remaining colors. And I've chosen a bright blue green, um, a fairly bright blue violet, quite a bright red orange, and then a duller yellow orange and a duller yellow green. And um, so when I'm combining colors, I like to have a range of saturations because I think it just sort of gives your eye more to do. Um, and I've kept things in a fairly narrow range of values. So there definitely is a range of values from light to dark, but it's not big. So I want some of the movement and liveliness in the fabric that you get from using colors that are slightly different values. And here the yellow orange and the yellow green are going to be the lightest in value. Um, but I still want it to read from a distance as a kind of complex red violet. So, and the reason I chose those specific colors to kind of dull down a bit is that they will stand out less from the blend than brighter versions would because um, yellow is the lightest hue in value. So in a, in a composition or a design, even a very small amount of yellow is going to be very visible because it's so light in value. And I don't want it to kind of take over. Because it's really, as I say, as I always say, yellow is a bully. Okay. So I messed around on my iPad. I use um, 
I often use my iPad to kind of generate digital color schemes um, just because it's so easy and quick and neat and I don't have to get out my colored pencils. Um, so I kind of messed around on my iPad until I had a combination that I was happy with. Now, I'm not promising I'm not going to do some tweaks when we actually, when I get to the prep stage, but this is what I'm going with for now. And I think it's a good starting place. Um, and so then I had to sort of do the math to figure out how much of each thing to put into the bats. Um, and I just gave the game away in terms of fiber, fiber prep. I am going to be making bats. Um, I want to make really sure that I don't run out of fiber and that I have lots of extra yarn for sampling. So I'm going to dye 250 grams for the Merino Cashmere Silk Blend and 300 grams of the Polworth Silk. Now, the commercial yarn used for this pattern is only 300 grams, so I will have plenty, um, and that's the way I like it because everything's going to be dyed with the same dye solutions. Uh, I, I want to get the colors as close as possible and although I'm going to dye each fiber separately. So um, I have 200 grams of the Merino Cashmere Blend. That's how much I bought. And I'm going to add 50 grams of silk to that for an 80-20 blend, which is what the Polworth Silk Blend is. Um, so the same amount of silk in both um, fiber blends. And I'm going to um, dye the merino cashmere, the silk, and the polworth silk all separately, but using the same dyes. So what this means, 65% and 7% of the other colors, um, that means I need to dye 130 grams of the merino cashmere in the red-violet in my main color, 14 grams of each of the other colors, and I need to dye... 32.5 grams of the silk in the red-violet and 3.5 grams in each of the secondary colors. And finally, I'm going to need to dye 195 grams of the Polworth silk in the main color and 21 grams of each of the others. And so this tells me how much dye I need to mix in each of the colors. So I'm going to dye everything at a one and a half percent depth of shade, which means that I'm going to need one and a half milliliters of dye for every gram of fiber. So for those of you playing the home game, that means I need 537 milliliters of the red violet and 142 milliliters of each of the other colors. Now, um, I'll just say a little bit about measurements and such. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to get as close as I can to those numbers. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to drive, drive myself crazy getting to those numbers. So um, I'm just going to get as close as I can. I will, um, and I will, I always try to mix a little extra dye solution just in case something unexpected happens. Um so I'll probably mix about um, 560 milliliters of the red-violet and about 
160 of each of the others. Um, and I'm not going to be weighing out fiber, you know, to the exact gram, but I'm going to get as close as I can without annoying myself. So I trust that I have now sufficiently stultified all of you with the numbers. Um, but <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are math phobic, I apologize. Um, between now and the next episode, my plan is to dye the fiber and start making the bats. So the next thing um, that we're going to talk about in this series will be the actual construction of the bats. And that's something that I'm going to um, probably need to do a little experimenting with. Again, you know, that's why I want to have a little extra of everything. Um, And record keeping is going to be key because I'm planning to make layered bats um, and I will want the color layer layers to be in the same order all the way through. Um, And I want to make sure that they all go through the drum carter the same number of passes. So it's going to be important to take notes. But anyway, I'll tell you all about that next week. Um, I think that's it for this episode. Dudes, go sign up for the newsletter because something's coming and it's going to be fantastic. Um, it's coming in the fall, but I will announce, um, I'll probably announce it in sometime in July. Anyway, cheapspot.com. You can also find at that very same place where you can sign up for the newsletter. You, you will find the show notes for this episode, which will be at sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode. What number is this? 54. Um, and that URL never changes. It's always sheepspot.com slash podcast slash episode. And then the episode number, you can find them all there, um, all the show notes and, um, including lots of information about stuff from Deb Men's. If you want to dive into that, my darling sheep spotters have a wonderful week until I speak to you next. And, By all means, go spin something.